Thank you for joining us today on Body Ecology Living with me, Donna Gates. On our show today, we have somebody very special. If you don't already know who he is, I don't know where you've been living, in the back of a closet or something, because this is Dave Asprey, my friend. I'm, um, I could tell you a lot of personal things about him, like how much fun it is to have him as a friend. He's one of those people that is so curious about everything in life. He wants to know about everything. He's always you know, out there snooping for the very best uh, information and even gadgets in the world. So when you get together with them, it's always a fascinating conversation, as I'm sure it will be today. If you don't know about him, uh, you got to go to his website. Well, be sure we tell you that a number of times. And, um, you know, he everybody does know that he uh, spent 15 years biohacking his biology. In other words, he wasn't well, like most people. He was way overweight and depressed and just, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't him. It wasn't who he really was. So he started looking for answers. And in the process, he's upgraded his brain by over 20 IQ points. If you stop and think about that is a lot. And he lowered his biological age. He lost all that weight. And then he went on to become sort of a a phenomenon in the world. Um, He has a coffee that tons and tons of people, including lots of celebrities, are drinking. We'll talk about his whole story, how he got into coffee, because it leads into what I really, really want to talk about. And that's the new movie that he's been working on called Moldy. It's such a cute name, Moldy. But welcome, Dave. Thank you, Donna. It's an honor to be on with you. I I think a lot of people just are are unaware of of the decades of work you've put into what you do. So I remember when we first met, I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to Donna. Like, like that's kind of amazing. Like you're, you know, you're one of the the masters of what's going on in the gut and you've been paying attention to it way longer than uh, almost anyone else out there. So I, I consider your work to be really important. And um, even my wife, who's a Carolinska trained physician, uh, same thing, Dr. Lana, when, when she met you, she's like, oh my gosh, your book like saved, saved me in medical school. I got yeah. sick and, and, and it was your diet, Donna, that, that made me well again. So, you know, we, we owe you a, a favor. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Well, I know Lana was really complimentary and I was, I'm always surprised, really surprised that people even know who I am or know anything about the work, but it's kind of exciting right now because you're right. Over 20 years ago, I, you know, stumbled upon this work that the microbiologists were doing in the world and they were studying, you know, the mic- well, they were studying bugs and they were reporting to themselves all the time what, um, what they were learning in their journals, but it wasn't getting out to us. And then I somehow, I don't even remember how, but I realized, well, we've got this huge community in our gut and there's not even language for it. So I had to literally coin the term inner ecosystem and I started teaching about it, what it was, how it got there, why why it's so important. Um, and it took a long, long time to get the word out, as always, uh, when you're trying to introduce something new. You know, 20 days ago, uh, 20 years ago, we didn't have the internet, and we didn't have all the technology we have today. But um, now everyone's talking about the microbiome. So nobody says inner ecosystem much anymore, but the microbiome is hot. And I remember the last time we were talking, you had mentioned that there is a connection between the soil and our microbiome and the, and the gut, our gut. So can we start talking about that first? Yeah, one of the things that I, I learned over the course of, of hacking my own health and performance is that what happens inside your stomach is kind of a reflection of what happens outside of you. And 
we now know that our our gut microbes can actually exchange genes with the things that we eat. So food acts as a signal, which is really kind of an interesting idea. And if we have things growing in our environment, like say mold in the walls of your home, which is is the topic of Moldy, the documentary, it's it's shocking what happens. One of the things that will happen is that when you breathe spores from the environment around you, it can send a signal to the bacteria in your body to form biofilms. Now, this sounds completely strange, but if you think about it, what happens when you, say, take penicillin? Penicillin is a chemical made by mold, and it has a profound effect on bacteria, including healthy bacteria in your gut. And So well, it kills ma- those bacteria, right? That's it the kills them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kills them. So basically, you can wipe out your good bacteria when you take penicillin. But... What if there were other effects? For instance, if a fungal toxin like penicillin stresses your gut bacteria, what uh, what does that mean? Well, they respond like any life form to stress. They become more aggressive. They create more toxins. And in the case of some bacteria, they can actually band together and create protective barriers in a little rudimentary circulatory system. And, and a biofilm is is really kind of a scary thing inside the human body. It's been a major problem with medical implants because they get a bacteria on the surface and these bacteria cover themselves so that antibiotics won't reach them. And it's, it's kind of shocking that being in a hostile air environment or eating foods with these uh, mold toxins in them can not only directly poison your body, it can directly change the bacteria in your body to make them more aggressive and hostile and even to make chemicals that make you unwell, things like lipopolysaccharides. Mm -hmm. So let me just kind of make sure I understand that because it's a real interesting new way of looking at something I've never thought about before. So let's say you take um, um, penicillin and it's going to produce, uh, you know, if you just swallowed it, it's going to kill everything down in the gut right away. But if you're around it, it's producing something that once the bacteria get exposed to that something, they change and they get stressed out and they become warlike, bad, bad, you know, like, like, like if you stress me out, it would bring up my anger, you know, ready to go to war side, I guess. And so there we are, the bacteria has changed. And then to protect our, the back for the bacteria to protect himself herself whatever they they build a wall around them and now if you really did have to use an antibiotic you can't get into that wall which is a, a like a castle really surrounded by this wall you can't get into the castle to get rid of the bad guys right that's exactly right and it's even worse than just building a wall and and having a castle once they're inside the castle they say well Okay, I must live in an area where there are these invaders, these these molds, these yeasts. So not only do I have a wall to protect me, I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm going to make some toxins that will poison my enemy, those those yeasts, those fungus or those fungi. And what happens then is that the bacteria start making those toxins and some of those toxins can cause food cravings and brain fog in you. They can give you sore joints. So all mm. of a sudden now, you're sort of the innocent bystander in a war between a yeast or a, a fungi and the bacteria that good and bad bacteria that live in your gut. And you can be injured as an innocent bystander in a war because these two different life forms 
are basically lobbing chemicals back and forth at each other. And some of those chemicals cause inflammation in your body. They can trigger autoimmunity where your immune system starts to attack different parts of your body. They can trigger food allergies and they can just make you tired and foggy all the time. And that's not a good thing. So we should be taking care of our soil and we should be making sure that our homes don't have water damage. I, I see this over and over and, and I've interviewed um, experts around the country on this where they believe that between 50 and 80% of homes have water damage, either from leaks or from poorly built homes that allow condensation. 15%, 1.5 or 5.0? 5 to 80. Oh, wow. It, it's because we changed our building standards to have these sealed buildings that are energy efficient. And then we go inside them and we breathe and we put moisture out when we breathe. But if the walls aren't well sealed on the inside, then you get this moisture inside the wall and it's cold outside, it's warm and moist inside, and you get a layer of condensation. And that layer of condensation grows black mold or a poorly mm -hmm. vented dryer or a leaking shower. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just bought a 15-year-old house. Every bathroom had toxic black mold behind the showers and the crawl space was full of mold. And so this is so common and people don't understand that it's affecting their gut. It's affecting their brain. And one in three of us approximately has genes where we're doubly impacted. Uh, the rest of us, we just don't feel as well or we mm -hmm. just get colds. We just need more sleep. We're not quite ourselves. We're just, we're diminished, but we're not really, really taken out. And then for the third of us with those genes, uh, we get chronic inflammatory response and generally stay inflamed sometimes for years and we get autoimmunity and, and all sorts of chronic diseases and we get even worse dysbiosis, which is what happens when you get the wrong bacteria growing in your gut. So there's a seamless connection between what's in your environment and what's in your gut. And the two big signals there in the environment, number one is what you eat. Number two is what you breathe. And this is why paying attention to what bacteria and what fungi or yeast you allow into your body is really important because it's one thing if you eat something that has a toxin on it, okay, the toxin goes through, you work on removing the toxin from your body, your liver and kidneys and skin get rid of it eventually. But what happens if what you eat or allow into your body changes what's inside your body so it constantly makes a toxin. So now you have a little factory inside of you that's pumping out things that make you sick all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that yeast, you know, when someone has candidiasis in there, they have yeast in their body, whether it's low-grade or a more acute infection, they those yeasts are producing over 79 different toxins. I, I've read, you know, I'm always looking for research on that, and, and that, that's what they, the number they found so far. And acetaldehyde is one of the worst of those toxins. And gee, if you go to the internet and type in acetaldehyde and, and what it does, it's it's a bad, bad toxin. Well, alcohol itself is a fungal toxin. Like like the yeast makes that so that bacteria will stop eating whatever it is they're trying to eat. And the first metabolic breakdown of alcohol, whether it's wine or vodka, doesn't really matter. That first one is uh, acetaldehyde. And it's that aldehyde that causes what's called glycation or more accurately, advanced glycation end products, which we call age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what that is, is a browning of the tissues. It actually cross-links the protein in your arteries, in your veins, and even in your skin to make it less flexible. And basically, it makes you wrinkled. Mm. Definitely, no one wants Donna, you, you know something about this because you, <laughs> you look amazing. Well, I don't <laughs> so. like wrinkles, and I don't have them yet. So 
thank God. But um, but um, anytime you say something like that, my ears perk up and I think, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm paying attention to that. Of course, that's one reason I take your collagen all the time because that's something else. That's a product you make. I always stick it in drinks I'm drinking to keep, you know, so I build more collagen. But uh, back to your house. I know you and Lynn have been renovating your house for quite some time and it's amazing now. But when you how did you find the mold behind the showers? Like, uh, were you going to tear them down anyway? And or you thought the bathrooms were fine? Or did you suspect mold? Or did you just tear them up and then there was the mold and you were surprised because you didn't have any signs of the mold? Like, like how many of us have mold behind the walls and we don't even know it's there? At least half of homes out there have some mold behind the walls. And it's not always toxic and different people respond differently. Uh, one of the one of the couples that I interviewed in Moldy is two physicians, and the wife got terribly ill for two years. They biopsied every organ in her body, and they couldn't figure out what it was. And these are two physicians, like, like they're smart, educated health people. And her husband never had any symptoms. And then when they finally mm. figured out what it was, and she got better, they're like, wow, this is kind of important. Uh, so hearing a story like that, because it's we're different, right? Well, so many people have yeast already in their body, systemic yeast infection, and babies are born with it today and have been for decades. I would guess they're the ones that are the most sensitive to the yeast. Oh, yeah, they are the most sensitive. But so what would you do if if you wanted to know about this place that maybe you're going to rent or you're going to move into? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what do we do for our house? And what did this this doctor couple do from from the documentary? And what you can do is, is you can do uh, a house inspection, first of all. And you should never, even if you're renting a relatively inexpensive place, you're just getting started. If you go, if you move into a place that has a problem, you're unlikely to see it. Um, and we, in fact, we went into a moldy house in the movie. We, we, I, I tore open a wall, and the paint is fine. And behind the paint is just all black, which mm. is black toxic mold. So the paint kind of hides it, but the chemicals from it just come out. Uh, so then you can't see them. You might not even smell them. But people who are sensitive to mold, like me, because I've lived in a house with that problem. Uh, we usually just feel unwell. We can tell there's something wrong in the place. And so if you don't have a canary like me, what you do is you have a house inspection. And they'll walk around. These guys, like, do you remember Matrix, the movie, the way Neo could look and everything was just mm-hmm. ones yeah. and zeros green falling like that? Yeah. Okay. A house inspector looks at your house that same way. <laughs> and wow. and you see a wall, and he an exterior wall, and he'll say, ah. Oh, that wall has a problem with the rain, uh, the rain gutter, and a sprinkler's been hitting that wall. So there's a really good likelihood that there's mold in that wall because I can see there's been three water intrusions. Okay, we're not going to know that, mm-hmm. but you can pay someone, and it's a, a few hundred dollars, depending on where you live. It might even be less, and they're going to point you in the right direction. And if it looks like there might be a problem, and there's a great chance there is, then what you do is you do something called an uh, an ERMI test, Environmental Mold Relative Index. Or sorry, environmental relative mold index, ERMI, not EMRI. And what this does is collects air inside the house in potential locations like the bedroom or the kitchen or the bathroom and outside the house. And then you compare spore counts. So in a home where I was staying uh, uh, several years ago, we had 88 times the level of aspergillus mold in the kitchen as compared to outside. And the reason for that is that the dishwasher had been leaking and we didn't know it was leaking. It had been probably been leaking for several years, just a very slow drip behind the counter where no one would ever see it. And when we had the dishwasher replaced, everyone in the house, even the dogs got really sick and we didn't know why. Oh, wow. And 
this is one of those things. And the very first symptom, Donna, that I had was, well, I'm, I'm tired and I haven't actually had gas this bad, like in 10 years, like, like, you know, really, really bad. So that's really interesting. What was the first part of my body to react? The bacteria in my gut. And then I got, you know, intestinal inflammation and I got brain fog and everything else. But the gut was a very reliable indicator that this was going on. And now that I, is, that's interest, so interesting because the obvious that everybody would think it would be your lungs and they just start coughing. Nobody would ever think of the gut. That's pretty fascinating. One of the things that most medical doctors are trained to do is to look for allergic rhinitis. Mm -hmm. So you may go into a moldy place and a lot of doctors will tell you that's all it is. It's like, okay, you get mold allergies. Either you're allergic or you're not. It'll just go away. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that there's the mold and then there's the poison that the mold makes. And the poison that the mold makes has a biological effect that triggers your immune system to start making inflammation and it won't stop unless you take really kind of unusual steps to help your body clear it. And one of the things that helps is a high fat diet and ways to, uh, to bind toxins in, in the gut, things like the uh, coconut charcoal and anything that helps with toxin excretion. And even just ha having things that help your gut bacteria stay healthy. So taking appropriate, carefully fermented beverages like the ones that you make, Donna, that can really help your gut because your gut balance has been thrown off by basically inhaled antibiotics. And until you fix the gut and you address those toxins that are recirculating in the body, it's very hard to, to feel good again. And, and it, when I say feel good again, what you're feeling is not just like swelling, inflammation, you gain weight really quickly, you're tired, but you're cranky, you have nightmares, you're mean to the people around you, you feel hopeless. Like there's psychological things that happen from this because you're dealing with a chemical substance. This is a mind-altering drug. It's also gut-altering. Mm, that's amazing. Well, I know Dawn, uh, your right-hand man, who's a woman, of course, and uh, she was telling me a story she moved into an apartment and she wasn't feeling good. And then you, she told you that and you said, it's mold. It's probably mold. And sure enough, it was. So they moved her into a different place. And um, what was always kind of impressed me about that was that you knew right away that it was mold. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have thought she just had something wrong with her at the moment because she had something wrong with her. Not, not that the, that where she was She's a very strong, hearty person normally anyway, but I wouldn't have linked that right away. So those two together, like, I uh, would have blamed it on something else. How did you know that? Like, what made you think, Don, it's a mold problem? Donna, when I work with a, a few of the, the high-performance, like, executive or celebrity-style coaching clients um, that I work with, so many times someone says, things just aren't right. <laughs> and I ask them the same questions. Did you start working in a new building? Um, did you move to a different house? Have you spent time in a house that smelled like a fish tank <laughs> or with obvious water damage? And almost always for the people who have that, things just aren't the same. I just don't have my my vigor. Like something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I, I have a, a few extra pounds that won't go away. Like I, it just, it isn't, it, I'm not down for the count. I'm just not as good or as bright as I should be. That's so common because, well, one approximately a third of us have genes that make us even more susceptible. The rest of us can still get sick from these buildings and like half of buildings have a problem and we don't know how big, uh, how big, you know, the, the level is in one home or another. And we don't know how an individual will react. 
And it's so weird because there are people who could walk into that, that contaminated apartment that Don had rented and they would not react to it. They might get cancer if they stayed there for two years, but they wouldn't feel the symptoms that Don was feeling. And in this case, this was a professional, high-end, well-maintained apartment building run by a big property management company with, you know, a thousand different apartments in it. Uh, so what happened? Well, when a contractor had been doing work, the neighboring unit's dryer vent was supposed to vent outside to let all that hot, moist air out, but instead it vented into the wall behind her kitchen. So there was a little bit of black, uh, probably stachybotrys, the, the worst of the worst mold, that was there in the kitchen. You couldn't, you just see it like a little bit of fuzz around a few cracks. But the poisons that that kind of mold makes are particularly airborne and very, very noxious. What gave it away for Dawn is that I know Dawn really well. And she went in literally three days after she moved into the new apartment. Her emotions got really strong. She was getting angry at people in a way that's not like Dawn. And, you know, she was, she was clearly experiencing the, the anxiety that mold triggers in people because your body feels like, kind of like it's dying, partly because it, it's being poisoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also she started getting some of the other, uh, the other symptoms. Her energy was down. And when I paired those two together, and I believe she probably also had a nosebleed, which is a really clear sign wow. um, of mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that happened. And I just said, you need to get out of there. And she said, oh, I feel better when I'm out. And I don't think she believed it. So I said, all right, I'm putting you in a hotel uh, and I'll pay for it. You know, you, you work for Bulletproof and I'm going to take care of my people. And, and I was worried about her, her health and safety in this apartment. So what I did then is I said, well, don't even go back in there <laughs> to get your stuff because it's bad. She went back in. And she got sick again, and it took her several hours to get better. And it was that repeat exposure that crystallized it for her that, oh, my goodness, it really is mold. Because otherwise, you think it's you. You think you're crazy. And the most embarrassing part of these kinds of exposures is that they give you the most obnoxious gas you've ever had in your life, like the kind of gas that can clear a whole auditorium. And it, it, people are like, what's wrong with me? Like, like there's something going on and, and it's what embarrassing. Eat? The first thing they're going to blame it on is the food. What did I yeah. eat? And sometimes it's not the food. Mm-hmm. And so it's this weird interaction of your environment. And since this is affecting so many people, that's why I, I made Moldy the movie. Because, I mean, one of the other things that happens is nightmares. You have really vivid, really dark nightmares. Like what? From, from breathing mold? I, we don't know why that happens, but it's, it's predictable. So... This is a hidden problem. It's affecting 100 plus million people and nobody knows about it or even to pay attention and to think about. Could that be something to pay mm-hmm. attention to? Well, I want to talk about the movie. I'm sure everybody's got um, lots of questions about that. Um, I'm going to try to be them and ask those questions. But one more Dawn question. Um, when she realized that that's what it was and she didn't really have any proof, I mean, she couldn't take the cabinets down and show the you know the management company. Did they believe her? Did they, did they move... I know they moved her, but was it, did they just automatically believe her and, or did, and did they come in and, and do any kind of remediation on that apartment so that the next person that moved in didn't suffer from those same symptoms? And uh, what, what happened? <laughs> Most property management companies will come in and spray bleach on the mold, uh-huh. which surprisingly enough, it kills the mold on the surface, but then all the water from bleach, which is 95% water, soaks into the wood or the, the drywall, and it actually makes the mold worse. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, because I don't remember. She told me the story, um, but I don't remember the – she didn't tell me the part about the 
you know, what did the management company think? Like, I'm assuming a lot of people are out there, they're living in a place that is moldy, and they, you know, what kind of proof are they going to have to bring to their management company to get out of that place? Because otherwise, you know, they've got a lease, they may not let them out, and they may think the person is just psychotically crazy or something, imagining this. It's likely that they'll say that. And that's why the uh, the ERMI test, the Environmental Relative Mold Index, is interesting. You're like, well, if I'm crazy, why are there a hundred times more of these toxic mold spores inside than outside? So you're saying somebody would hire a mold expert to come in and test the air and gather the spores? Or what, what would what would that person do? Yeah, Don did. And then, then if you throw that in front of your landlord, they could say, well, it doesn't make a difference. And then we could point out the case in uh, Huntington Beach. Uh, actually, this was a friend of mine from about 10 years ago. Um, in fact, 11 years ago. Uh, she had a new house built and they built it in uh, with mold inside the walls. And her child had severe autism. And her, her case was the first time that a court in the United States acknowledged that toxic mold can be a cause of autism. Not the only cause. Mm-hmm. But that the chronic neuroautoimmunity that was triggered by the mold contributed directly to autism in this case. And so it was a $28 million settlement, if memory serves. <laughs> so, wow, you're kidding. That's amazing. No. Mm. You go to your landlord and you say, um, no, really, this is a serious problem because it is. And you can say it's affecting my health and my safety and my well-being. And landlords at a certain point realize, okay, I have to fix this, but they tend to want to cut corners because mold remediation is expensive. You oftentimes have to pull out all the drywall and get the wood down to the studs, then clean it, then test it, then put it all back together again. And in Dawn's case, they wanted to do a, a lightweight remediation and she insisted on moving, which is what I would have done because she reacted. Some people wouldn't have reacted in there. They would have just gotten a little sick. She strongly reacted. She needed to be out of that. That was not a safe place for her to live. And fortunately, the the landlord, um, being a professional company, uh, accommodated that request. Uh, I don't think they liked it too much, but uh, they understood that it was in their interest and hers to make sure that people who were leasing from them had safe places to live. Mm -hmm, But Uh, I bet they didn't fix it for the next tenant, I think. I like to hope they did. Mm, Interesting. I bet they didn't. (laughs) Interesting. You might be right. (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's always about the dollar so often. Um, so let's get into the movie. Like, how did you, what made you want to do a whole movie? I can understand writing a book or a couple of articles or doing some podcasts. And by the way, everybody, Dave's podcast is usually number one out there. So you got to uh, sign on to his podcast and get really some of the most fascinating guests in, in the world come on Dave's podcast. It, it's called Bulletproof Radio if you want to find it on iTunes. Oh, perfect. Okay, good to know. Okay, so let's go back to the why the movie. How did it come about? Well, there are a few people out there, uh, usually with a, a commercial motive, who are what I would call the, the mycotoxin deniers. And, and they just flat out say, it's a question of dose and these toxins don't do anything. And like, there's this huge body of evidence. And even most medical doctors today, uh, they know that you can have a fungal infection uh, like aspergillosis. But they don't understand that the toxin that's made by aspergillus, because we ruined our soil <laughs> with some agricultural practices, we made a more aggressive form of toxic mold that now lives in our houses and even in our food. And, okay, when people are standing up saying, you know, that, that this whole mycotoxin thing, is, it doesn't matter, they're 
causing great harm to, to huge numbers of people. So if you're in a moldy home and you have all the symptoms of mold and someone has told you for commercial benefit that, that that's not the problem and you believe it, your quality of life will be diminished. And I, I just don't think that that's okay. And I realized that the most effective way to, to show this was not to write a blog post. I, I've written blog posts with you know, 30 and 40 references about mold and people still just, just gloss over it and say there's no such thing. But when you see physicians who are talking about the effect of mold on them, what happened to them, when you hear guys like Daniel Amen, who's a very well-respected brain doctor, and Mark Hyman, who's a, a very well-respected functional medicine doctor, who are in the movie saying, yes, when I see patients who have, who have this kind of exposure, I see toxic brain signs. You can see the difference that means other physicians and care providers are going to hear it. And this means parents of kids who are eating moldy food or living in moldy houses and having symptoms, they'll at least know to question whether this could be part of the puzzle. And I, I'm looking for a problem every year that's affecting 100 million people or more in North America and certainly many, many more around the world. And I'm looking to do a documentary. I don't know if I can keep up that schedule. Maybe it'll be one every 18 months. Mm -hmm. But to do a documentary about it, and it needs to be something that most people don't know about and something that, that really is affecting people's quality of life. And this is the first and most important thing that I know about. So I, I found the world's experts. I found a bunch of people who have been affected and flew to them with a camera crew <laughs> and film permits and all that. And we filmed them. And we asked them for their stories and we asked the doctors and mold remediation experts and mold testing experts how to do it. We even went into a moldy building wearing you know, spacesuits. Uh, in fact, the whole camera crew was wearing them and, and it, 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 the spacesuits didn't work as well as, as advertised. And all of us felt really, really just, just tired after being around that, that mold for so long. So it's, it was a big undertaking, but I know it's going to help a huge number of people because doctors will see this movie and they'll just realize, you know what? That person with 20 symptoms might not be crazy. They might be mm -hmm. poisoned by their environment. And part of this whole story, Donna, is the environment controls the gut and the gut controls you. And so it's a seamless spectrum. Now, I just want to remind everybody that Dave Asprey is one of the experts on my gut summit. We've got 37 experts that I interviewed um, last summer. And he doesn't talk about this on the gut summit at all, but then we talk about some other really fascinating things, uh, a lot about the gut and s some of the best products that he has that are healing for the gut. Now, you texted me one time, Dave, I don't remember where you were. We were like in a really weird place, like a rainforest or something. I, I remember thinking, why are you there? What? What, what was well, I, I live in a rainforest, which is the worst place for someone who's been exposed to mold toxin. But uh, when you hack your environment and your body enough, it, it becomes uh, something that's, that's achievable. I live on Vancouver Island, which is very, very wet. It's up mm -hmm. kind of by Seattle and Vancouver. I'm on a soon-to-be organic farm with a couple of bald eagles in the backyard and close to an airport. So I can still fly to all the conferences and do the media appearances that, that I do to help people. Well, I mean, actually that's a good point. The probably the place with best place for somebody to live, if they do have problems with yeast, systemic fungal infections and mold uh, is the desert. But I happen to be a tree person growing up in Georgia, like Atlanta is like sort of the tree capital of the world or something. But anyway, lots and lots and lots of trees and they keep the air clean. So I couldn't live in the desert. It's just not it's too dry for me. But the, I know I know people feel good when they go to Arizona, you know, Palm Springs, uh, 
you know, like California, the drier parts of California, or even just LA. You know, LA is a um, is a semi desert place. You know, it it's really interesting. Sometimes in the desert, places like schools are extra moldy. I grew up in New mm-hmm. Mexico, and there's a whole series of lawsuits around the schools in Roswell, uh, where my uh, my mother's from. Um, yes, the alien place, <laughs> and. Uh, it, it's because they use something called evaporative cooling or swamp coolers, and these can add humidity, and it's because they use flat roofs. So when there is a, a rainstorm in the desert, you get like a ton of rain and then none. That rain can get in on those flat roofs, and then it's inside the walls. So I grew up in Albuquerque, and uh, I so- grew up in a basement with toxic mold. It was literally inside the paneling because there had been a flood in the basement before we even owned the house. And I had nosebleeds like 10 times a day and I was obese and rashes and asthma. And all of this matches up exactly with environmental mold sensitivities. And we didn't know it at the time or we would have left. I just was a sick kid because of that. Hmm. I remember you just reminded me of something too. I was in Georgia, uh, you know, many years ago and people weren't as awakened as they are today. I walked into a bank, and it wasn't the bank I normally go to. It was the Bank of America, but a different part of town. And I walked in there, and I was, like, starting to practically feel like I was being suffocated and could hardly breathe. And so when I finally got up to the, you know, place where the woman was to give me her money or whatever, um, I said, um, do you all get sick in here a lot? And she said, oh, yeah, we're sick every day. Someone's out every single day. We're always, somebody's always sick. And I said, well, do you realize how bad the mold is in this building? It's awful. I've never been in a building that badly. But uh, I remember, though, even when I was a substitute, I used to teach school in my early, early days. And I went into school buildings that were moldy, and which is really bad because you don't have – I have no idea what happened to those people in the bank. I just said, listen, you need to tell your supervisors that this is a dangerous place for you to work. And she said, really? And I said, seriously, it's very dangerous, so do something about it. So I never came back to that bank again. I have no idea if they did it. And I don't know if schools are being um, – you know, if somebody's paying attention in the schools, but – the problem is, is that sometimes one person with one voice notices the problem, and you're working against a, like a like a school district or something. What do you have any idea, any thoughts on that? Like, what is what is? Yeah. It, I guess my question is, what would a single person do to, you know, call this problem out? And 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 how much power do we have? Or is there any authority we can go to? Are there any, you know, legal things that we can, you know, laws that we can pull into place and say, hey, this is dangerous for us to work here. You could go to like the Occupational Safety Health, you know, OSHA, and you can try this. They have standards about sick buildings, but oftentimes those are about chemicals in the buildings. They do include a little bit about water damage in the building. The problem is that the vast majority of schools, because the funding is so tight for schools, they don't put money into maintaining buildings. So, Mold problems in schools are rampant. And this is really sad because it affects kids' learning and it affects how many days they're sick. And it, it's, it's unacceptable. And there are multiple legal challenges where parents know this is going on. Their kids go to school, the kids get sick, or even worse, the teachers. Oh, funny, when I teach, I'm sick all the time and I feel really bad. And then during summer, I recover and then I get sick. And well, it, it is an environmental thing. So depending on lots of things, you, you, can, you can launch a legal challenge, but... Uh, sometimes it it doesn't it doesn't work. Even <laughs> there's a, a story in one of Richie Shoemaker's books. I believe this is a book called Surviving Mold, and Richie's also featured in Moldy the documentary. And uh, Richie writes about sick building syndrome from water damage in an EPA building, like part of the Environmental Protection Agency, um, mm-hmm. in a 
sort of bizarre twist of fate had water damage and some people were being made sick and the struggle to work with a government to say, look, your government building is sick and it's going to cost, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to, to fix this. So the, the right thing to do so far has been to you know, mount the legal challenge. And one of my sincere hopes with Moldy, the documentary, is that you can say, no, really, this isn't a story. Here is a collection of experts and a collection of people, including kids, including adults, who've experienced exactly this. And that takes something that is academic and just out there and makes it visceral so we can see it. And once we acknowledge a problem, it's not that hard to address and fix mold. It can be expensive, but maybe you just go somewhere else because now you know. But if you pretend like mold doesn't doesn't matter because it's inconvenient that it matters, then you're helpless. And I don't like being helpless. Nobody does. So having this knowledge that this could be a contributing factor to what's happening in your life, to how you feel, how you perform, that's a precious piece of knowledge. And if you play this film for your, your children's teacher and they recognize themselves in it or half the kids in the class or the school district manager recognizes that it's happening to someone in his family, then you can make change happen more quickly. And that's why I made the film. Well, I'm sure you spent a fortune on it. So when it comes out, I'd highly recommend that people watch it. It's probably going to be an evergreen for a really long time. But then don't just watch it. Pass it on to other people. That's the only way that the world gets, you know, to know the truth. If we if we don't just learn it for ourselves, we that's not enough. You know, we have to pass it on because, um, you know, both you and I are also uh, talking on a, a live stream event this coming next weekend, and um, it's interesting because I was really trying to think about why am I doing this? You know, why do I travel all over the place? Why do you? It's it's pretty stressful a lot of times, but you know, so what motivates us? It's, it's really, and I can see so clearly that the world that we're living in is not a safe place for our children. Theo Colpin wrote a book years ago called Our Stolen Future, and I can see that our children, we've stolen their future. And so you know, like you said, the soil is ruined, the buildings we're living in are moldy, people have a lot of yeast in their body, they're born with it, they're, the food is deficient. I mean, it's a mess, the water, the air, everything's messed up, but we can turn it around. We can turn it around if everybody plays uh, a role in making that happen. So I love it that you made this commitment to keep making these, Dave. I love that. And do, do you know what your next, do you, do you already have on your radar screen what your next... Um, what would you call it? Movie or documentary is going to be about? We're Expose. so into editing. We're so into editing this one. I I don't know yet. I'm open mm. to ideas. In fact, I, well, it's about it. time for me to post it on Facebook because yeah, people listening could say, "Oh, I got a great idea." Or we can start keeping our our eyes open for a great idea for you. That knowing that this is something that you're going to keep doing. That's great. Yeah, I, uh, I I believe this is an important way. And by the way, it's a lot of energy to make a movie. It, it takes a lot of money and just time and flying around and 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 studying things. But in order to in order to achieve these goals, I I, I fund them. And one of the things I do with Bulletproof is I, I make coffee that doesn't have mold in it because when people drink coffee with mold, it makes them mean and cranky and, and full of anxiety and jittery. And Bulletproof coffee in the Bulletproof Diet book that I just launched, I put a lot of that back into. Uh, I, I do some support for nonprofits uh, like Paradigm Change, which is a, a mold uh, a mold awareness nonprofit in the Silicon Valley Health Institute. And then I, I do things like this documentary that that are you know a big projects in terms of energy and money, but they have a big impact, and that's really what this is about: is helping a lot of people. 
Well, I would say that the world is very, very lucky to have you. And even if you grew up in a moldy basement in Arizona, clearly your brain and body is still working very well, probably because of all the biohacking and cool things you've learned to do. So I hope everybody listening to this podcast will be very inspired and really be someone like Dave, like myself too. Uh, We have to make a difference in the world. We have to. There is no more time left. So, Dave, thank you very much for being a guest today. Donna, thank you, and thanks for your life's work. Uh, It's had an impact on me directly, and so I'm grateful to be on your show. Well, I'm glad we're friends, and I'm glad we're doing what we're doing, working together, because that's a big rock to pull up, push up that hill. But, you know, it's happening. We're doing it. And thank you once again, uh, everybody. Please sign up for the movie. What do they do? They can sign up now, even though it won't won't be out for a while, right? Yeah, just go to bulletproofexec.com slash moldy, just M-O-L-D-Y. That's bulletproofexec.com slash moldy. And you can just put your email in there. I won't harass you about stuff. I'll just send you a notification when the movie's ready. And everybody, Dave has a new book. I would highly recommend this book because it's completely in alignment with with what I've been teaching for a long time. Um, You can't read enough books that have the truth. So that is something else you want to do right away and then sign up for the movie right away, even though you can't see it until April. Thank you once again, Dave. Have a great day, Donna. Thank you for listening today. If you're new to body ecology, please subscribe to Body Ecology Living with Donna Gates. Also, feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook page. Tell me what you'd like to learn about, if there's anybody special you want me to interview. And most of all, have a great day.